This is Greg Lazinski, and you're listening to Baseball BBQ. Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musings Podcast, and you're listening to Jeff and Len on Baseball and Barbecue, one of my favorite podcasts, and I know it's one of yours, too. The only problem is, after I get done listening to it, I'm hungry. All right, guys, take it away. Grab yourself a cold one, sit back, relax, and welcome to episode number 33 of Baseball and BBQ, where the BBQ stands for Barbecue. I'm Len Aberman. And I'm Jeff Cohen. And we are thrilled to be with you today. We're actually going to go back to our roots, kind of, of how we, kind of how we envisioned this podcast before we realized that we could get interviews and things right, like that. Sure. <laughs> but we will, we, we will get more interviews, right. and and we do have an interview on this podcast. That's right, we do. So we we do have an interview. We were we were lucky enough to have uh, Shane Draper of Grilla Grills. He was on his way to a baseball game, and we wanted to find out about some new products that. Grilla Grills has specifically one that I saw they had a contest for, and I knew that they had this new product called the Chimp. You'll learn about it. But first, Jeff, yes, take it away. Give us what you got. All right. So, you know, baseball, we have all these. We've heard about sabermetrics for years. And i tell you the truth, I really don't know much about sabermetrics. I mean, I mean, I know some of the things, right. know, the launch angle, right. the spin rate, but, you know, I've been looking into the other definitions of what all the advanced stats are. And, my God, on MLB.com, you should see all these advanced stats. Now, I have no idea what a lot of these means. So, we're going to take you through some of them, and we'll read the definition, and we'll, we'll talk about it, see if it's worth it or not. Okay? All right, so, Len, do you know what a Babbitt is? A BABIP? A BABIP. B-A-B-I-P. No, I can't. I that's, can't say that I do. That's batting averages on balls in play. Batting average on balls in play. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Batting average on balls in play. So anything that's not a strikeout or walk. Anything you hit the ball in, into the field of play. So the definition is, BABIP measures the player's batting average exclusively on balls hit into the field of play Removing outcomes not affected by the opposing defense, namely home runs and strikeouts. For example, a hitter who goes 2-for-5 with a home run and a strikeout would have a 3.33 Babbitt. He's 1-for-3 on the balls he put in play. Now, Len, why is that useful? Well, let's see. It says here, Babbitt can be used for both pitchers and hitters. It's often a solid indicator of a player's luck and future performance. Pitchers who have allowed a high percentage of hits on balls in play will typically regress to the mean. In other words, over time, they'll see fewer balls in play fall for hits and therefore experience better results in terms of run prevention. The same applies for batters, but to a lesser extent. No. I'm I, 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 I'm sorry. Wait a second. I'm reading this. I don't know if it's the time of day we're recording this uh, around 11.30 in the morning. Or what it is. I don't understand what I just read. Babbitt. It's balls you hit into play. So wait a minute. If I'm the hitter, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm just guessing. Okay. And I hit a fly, I hit a, uh, a fly ball, goes right. to the wall. Right. It gets caught. Yes. Is that a ball that, in play? That's a ball in play. Now, it was caught. Right. 
So that but, goes into your Babbitt average. So, which which is good because that means I put a ball into play, and it means that eventually those balls will drop. Well, hopefully it'll drop. For the battery, hopefully it'll drop. And for the pitcher, hopefully it's not going to drop. So my Babbitt is 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 increased. So if I strike out, my Babbitt is well, lowered. No, Babbitt does not take out strikeouts at, at all. It just takes uh, anything that's hitting the play. So you hit three. Okay. You hit that three balls. You hit the play. Right. One for a base hit and two are caught by the outfielders. Uh-huh. You bat it to one thirty three three three. Okay, you uh, look, you I, look confused. <laughs> totally confused. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Len, what about lips? Late inning pressure situation. All right, that sounds like something that I might be able to understand. Okay, late inning pressure situations are defined as any at bat in the seventh inning or later when a batter's team trails by three runs or fewer, is tied, or is ahead by only one run. So if you're ahead by two runs, it's not late inning pressure. Okay. okay. If the bases are loaded and the batting team trails by four runs, it also counts as late inning pressure situation. There is much debate among people within baseball regarding clutchness and how it's determined whether certain hitters or pitchers are clutch. Lips, late inning pressure situation, is one way of doing so, although it can be highly unreliable because the sample sizes are often small. And because not all late inning pressure situations are equal when it comes to determining how clutch a player is. Okay. All right. And it was developed by uh, a live sports bureau in 1985. So what do you think about that one? So, and it, but continue because it's, I, well, it has some merit because it says it was developed in 1985 in an attempt to answer the question, do, gl- do clutch hitters exist? They were definitely clutch hitters. They were guys who get up there late innings. You know, whether it's extra innings or their team's trailing by a run, we've seen it. Oh, yeah. There's there's players you don't want to face when a game is on the line. And then there are other players, we've seen it as well, where when they hit their home runs, when they get their extra base hits, is when the game's already out of reach. Right? Right. There's players like that as well. But there's also lesser players who not know names, you know, who like... I wouldn't say no names, but they're not, uh, you know, Mike Trout of the world. Right. That, that, that do come through in a clutch situation. Right. But maybe not as often. So right. I could definitely see this stat having some merit. Okay. Give me another one. Okay. What about win probability added? WPA. You want to read the definition? Sure. WPA quantifies the percent change in a team's chances of winning from one event to the next. It does so by measuring the importance of a given plate appearance in the context of the game. For instance, a homer in a one-run game is worth more than a homer in a blowout. All right, well, well that makes that, sense. That, I would right. give a big duh to that. Right. Okay, but it makes sense. All right. As an example, when Josh Donaldson came to the plate in the bottom of the ninth on May 26, 2015, the Blue Jays trailed by two and had men on second and third with no one out. That gave them a 43% win expectancy. After Donaldson's walk-off homer, their win expectancy jumps to 100%. Wait a second. He hit a home run that, that was, won the game, so now he, they expect to win 100%. Well, <laughs> let me just say another. Duh! duh. That's a big duh. <laughs> because Donaldson boosted the Blues Jays' chances of winning by 57%. No, he didn't. He did it by 100%. They won the they game. They won the game. His WPA for that plate appearance was 0.57. Wow. I, I can't... 
Who's sitting around thinking of these? Okay. Well, why is it useful? It's useful. WPA should not be used as an indicator of future f- performance, but WPA is fantastic story stat, meaning it has a good job of putting context to what has already happened. It is best used for deciphering the impact of a specific play, player or play in the game's outcome. Hmm. Win probability added. You know, you score more runs than the other team, you're probably going to win. Wow. And if you hit a walk-off home run, it's a 100% chance that you win. Right. Wow. Exactly. Yep. Wow. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Give me another one. Well, Confuse that, me some more. That kind of goes with, with this one. Win expectancy. Okay. Okay. Win expectancy, other known, other one, otherwise known as win probability, indicates a chance a team has to win a particular game at a particular point in that game. Expressed as a percentage, win expectancy is calculated. Now, get this. By comparing the current game situation with the score, inning, number out, men on base, and run environment, all considered to similar historical situations. More than specifically, the percentage is derived from the number of teams that faced a comparable situation in the past and went on to win the game. Uh, but that is... How, how do you do that? There means so many factors, right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if the if the announcers even you well, no, you, you see that on ESPN? You know they they expect to win now. You know the, the percentage changes throughout the game. Wow. Well, well, win expectancy is the basis for win probability added. What we just talked about, which quantifies the percent chance a team's a, a cha- percent change in a team's chance of winning from one event to the next. Okay. Win expectancy is a story stat, meaning it provides historical context in the specific game situation. Jeff, tell everybody where they can see all these if they're interested in where we're finding all these. Okay, you can actually Google uh, advanced stats, um, Major League Baseball advanced stats, or you can go to the MLB.com page slash glossary, and then they have another page for advanced stats there. Now... I, I don't want to give dis- the description or definitions of all of these, oh, but not. just it's, but it's, just it's too many. I mean, under pitching, okay, adjusted earn run average. They have ERA plus base runners per nine innings pitched, MB slash nine bequeathed runners, BQR, bequeathed runners scored, BQRS, expected fielding independent pitching. That's the XFIP, fielding independent pitching, FIP. Fly ball rate, FB percentage. I mean, it goes on and, and on and, and on. And on and on and on. You, you yeah. could, you could, if you if you want to confuse yourself or you you're interested in this, more power to you. Take a look at this. this right. Is, wow. Yeah, I just do what I do. Want to go over one more that we do hear a lot of, and I think a lot of people don't understand. Ah, uh, wins above replacement. I mean, war, war. Well, at least, yeah. Go ahead. War. So, war. The definition is. Measure the player's value in all facets of the game by, by deciphering how many runs, how many more wins he's worth than a replacement level player at the same position. For example, a minor league replacement or readily available fill-in free agent. Hmm. Okay. The formula for position players: number of runs above average a player is worth is his batting, base running, fielding, plus adjustment for position, plus adjustment. For league plus the number of runs provided by replacement level player divided by runs per win. Woo! That's a mouthful. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's war. Yeah. War. 
What is it good for? Well, why are you telling us? <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> nothing. Well, here it says something, so why don't you tell us what it's useful for? All right, why it's useful. Obviously, the goal of baseball is to win games. Duh! Duh. All right, here we go. <laughs> and war quantifies each player's value in terms of a specific number of wins. A player with a war of zero is essentially a replaceable piece, while a player with a war of about eight should almost always be an MVP candidate. And because war factors in a positional adjustment, it is well suited for comparing players who man different defensive positions. Okay. Okay. Well, we hear a lot about war. Yes. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a stat they use a lot. So maybe some of those other stats are going to eventually come into play. But Well, maybe. Yeah, hopefully not. Right. You want to to list some of these offensive uh, events, Dak? Go right ahead. Okay. Isolated power, ISO. On-base plus slugging. Okay, we know about that. Right. Pitchers per per plate appearance. Okay, now that, I'm just guessing, pitches per plate appearance could be very useful uh, if you want to see how, uh, you know, a guy, you want a team... All right, let's say you want the team to have a lot of pitches per plate appearance, right? Because then it wears the starter out and right. you get to, into the bullpen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that could... I'm, I'm guessing. I haven't even seen what it says, but that's mm-hmm. what I'm guessing. No, I, I think right. you're right there. Okay. Uh, so a guy with a guy that takes a lot of pitches is... Right. is it's going to have a, a high pitches per plate appearance. Right. which is probably a good thing. Right. Now, there's a plate appearances per strikeouts. You probably don't want a lot of those. No. You probably want to keep that low. That's that very very low. Uh-huh. Uh, runs created, run weighted runs above average, weighted on base percentage, uh, it, and it goes on. I mean, it, some of these stats are really strange, and but you know, go ahead, check it out. At least they're there for anybody who's interested. Can we can we go back to uh, arguing uh, DH or no DH? That's that's about as as much as my simple mind can take. Right. <laughs> is, I mean, these are unbelievable. Okay. Uh, by the way, when you speak about DH, you know the Mets pitchers have three home runs already. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you we, know we uh, wouldn't have that. Yeah, I, we wouldn't have that, and Wheeler had a hell of a game: two for three, three RBIs, home run, mm-hmm. double drove in, couple of you know. Right. But you know that. That's another whole other discussion with the DH. Uh, <laughs> so we gave you the origin of, of some of these stats. Now, you know, I was thinking, what about the origin of some strange baseball terms? Uh, I like that. Okay, so these are ones that, uh, you know, we hear in the broadcast. But, you know, where did they come from? So, Len, you ever hear of a, a can of corn? Yes. A can of corn is a, a routine fly ball. But where did that come from? The grocery store? Actually, that. Partially correct, because clerked at grocery stores in the you know turn of the century and general stores were looking for an easier way to reach canned goods like say corn. They put up on a high shelf and they take like a stick and and you know tip it so it falls down and you catch it. That's the term like catch it a can of corn. That's why I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> can of corn. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one is. Walk off. We know that what, what that means. But do you know who actually came up with the term walk off? Nope. Go ahead. Dennis Eckersley. Really? He came up with the term. Well, he gave up a home run, and it really means walk off. It's really more for the losing team because they have to 
walk off the field. Right. The winning team, yeah, hits a walk-off home run. They're all celebrating. But it's really the losing team where it really refers to. Because they had to walk off the field while everybody else is, is celebrating. So it's not that old a term, then? No, it's not that old a term. It actually... First time, first reference was in July 30th, 1988. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's just... Uh, 20 years or so. 30 years. So, Southpaw. Left-handed pitcher. Right. And in uh, Southpaw, they use the term in boxing as well, right? It's Southpaw. Right. And they right. have that famous scene in Rocky, South Jersey, South Kansas, right. Southpaw. Right. So it, actually, right. it actually comes from the uh, boxing. Hey, Paulie. Hey, Paulie. Yeah, hey, Paulie. I'm, I'm, I'm a Southpaw. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you know. That was, right. my, that was my Rocky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, it, it comes from the boxing world, and anything left-handed is a southpaw. Okay. How about pickle? So, Len, what, what does pickle mean? Well, it's when you're in a rundown, I know that. Right. Right, being in a pickle. Right. Uh, it's also a great thing to serve with uh, a corned beef sandwich, but uh, in baseball, tell us what it means. It's produced some of the downright weirdest moments in baseball. few seconds in which all sense of order melts away, leaving only improvisational base-running shenanigans or actual wizardry. And it only needs one word of introduction. Pickle. Sadly, though, pickle wasn't handed us by the baseball gods. But where does it come from? Benefiting a man who seemingly invented half of the modern English, Shakespeare is thought to be the first to use the idiom in a pickle, in The Tempest. But it gave it, but it, gave it a somewhat different meaning in England. Pickle actually refers to some close, something close to relish, and one is in a pickle if they're sauced or, more bluntly, drunk. But the phrase came to America, and the metaphor got simplified. In a pickle became a tough spot, much like a cucumber stuck in vinegary brine for days on end. That's how we got the term, in a pickle. Huh. And Shakespeare was what, a Chicago Cubs fan? Uh, he might be actually a Boston Red Sox or Yankee fan because they're playing in England this year. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I try to be funny. You tried. A for effort. <laughs> Thanks, but D for, D for results. <laughs> Butcher Boy. That one I never heard. Butcher Boy, when a batter squares around the bunt, only to pull a bat back and make a short downward swing. Well, bunting is a rare thing now. Absolutely. Let's see. All right. Casey Stengel coined a lot over his more than 50 years as both a player and manager, enough to start his own language, Stengelese. One of his more practical creations, the Butcher Boy, in which a batter would draw the infield in by squaring up to bunt, only to quickly pull it back and take a short downward swing at the ball. When done well, it works. It works. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we used to see that a lot, right? The, the, because you show early, right, that you're going to bunt, you bring it back, and you and you chop it. Yeah. So what does it have to do with meats, you ask? I do ask. Well, the term was a stangle creation, like you said, inspired by the motion a boy in the butcher stop would use to cleave meat. Huh. Stengel ordered it whenever he needed a ground ball. When I got a runner on third base in a close game, I urged all my players to give it a butcher boy and get him home. Okay. There you go. There's, uh, th- there's the relation with the uh, baseball and barbecue, yeah. right, with the meat. Thank you, Casey Stengel. Yeah. All right, here's one we all know, but I never, have, I never knew where it came from. The hot stove. Hot stove. 
some of the best some of the best time of year is is hot stove talk. Yep. The magical period of the off season usually centered around winter meetings where free agents are signed and moves are made. Each winter, spring training still months away, desperate baseball fans frantically gather any nuggets of transaction news to get them through the long, cold off season, a time known affectionately as hot stove season. Yeah, I have to tell you, when I was a kid, right, being a Met fan, I would scour the newspapers um, to see anything about the Mets. And, of course, back then there was no internet, you know, there was no sports talk radio. The only... The only sports talk radio was on um, ABC, Art ABC, Russ, right, Art Russ Jr., Jr. exactly. Yeah. So I would look through the papers. And the funny thing is, if I saw anything that said Met, right. I would think, oh, it's got to be. But occasionally it was about the, the Metropolitan, Metropolitan, right, yeah. <laughs> Metropolitan mm-hmm. Museum of Art, Art the Met, yeah. the, the opera. Right. Right. So I'd start reading, and I'd be like, oh, shoot, it's yeah. not about the Mets. Yep. But yeah, mm-hmm. so definitely. Uh, all right. Anyway, um, so where was I? Once upon a time. Yeah. All right. Once upon a time, though, hot stove season referred to an actual baseball season. Hot stove leagues in which Major League Baseball players would stay in shape by playing baseball in their hometowns while staying warm with, you guessed it, actual hot stoves. Oh, wow. Okay. The term soon expanded to become a kind of predecessor to the water cooler. On a cold day, fans would gather around the hot stove to discuss their favorite team. Or, you know, Twitter during winter meetings. Yeah. Okay. All right. How about we do one more? Yeah. And how about this one? An RBI single for Ichiro. He's now five away from 4,000. Wow. Well, Baltimore Chop in Boston. In Boston, yeah. So, Len, the Baltimore Chop. Baltimore Chop came, as you might have guessed, from the Orioles, specifically the Orioles of the late 19th century. With runs hard to come by in the dead ball era, the Orioles hatched a plan. They instructed their groundskeeper to pack the dirt in front of home plate. Legend has it he even once put down a concrete slab so that the speedsters like John McGraw and Willie Keeler could leg out infield singles. The plan worked like gangbusters. The O's won three consecutive National League pennants from 1894 to 1896. Right, and we still hear the term Baltimore chop used today. Actually, I, I lied. I want to do one more. Yeah, I like this one. Ephus. Yeah. A slow, high-arcing lob pitch. What is the Ephus pitch? No one knows. The, first, the pitch first popped up in the 19th century, but never caught on. It was destined to be a historical oddity, a relic of the bygone age, until it was dusted off by Rip Sewell, a starter for the Pirates during the 30s and 40s. After taking a 14-shot pellets... Into a, wow. his right foot in one winter, Sewell had to make serious alterations in his delivery, and his velocity diminished. He came up with a lob pitch as a way to keep hitters off balance. He busted out his new trick the next spring against the Tigers, and everyone was stumped. Huh. What I want to know is the why did he, after taking fourteen shotgun pellets into his right foot, that, yeah. that must be an interesting story. Now wait a second. Um, there was a Yankee. That threw the Ephus pitch, right? I don't remember who that was, right? But uh, oh, I don't know who that is. <laughs> that looks like uh, El Duque Hernandez. He might have thrown the Ephus pitch, and it looks like he gave it up for a home run, though. Uh, Boom, done. <laughs> yeah, we used to, you know, when we used to play wiffle ball as a kid. I remember throwing an Ephus pitch, right? 
into you know you'd set up the you'd set up the lawn chair right right and that would be that would be uh you know your home plate mm-hmm. and if you if you lobbed it up and if the person swung and it landed and if in the chair right and it stayed it might be like an out or something oh yeah something very like cool yeah all right so len yes that concludes our baseball talk of the show Okay, so then let's, uh, what else? We, let's see, it's baseball, well, baseball, barbecue. Let's talk a little barbecue. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to, before we do the interview with Shane, uh-huh. okay, let's talk about the nicer weather's here. Matter of fact, it's beautiful out today. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about barbecue. Yes. All right, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to ask you some questions about barbecue, and I, I want to just say something. You know, on this podcast, somehow I've gotten the reputation as being the one who's more—I don't know—more about barbecue. But let me just tell you guys something. This guy here, Jeff Cohen, last weekend he was out there with his pit barrel cooker making chicken in the pit barrel, and I was not doing anything with barbecue. So I think that the, the tides have turned. I think. Right? Isn't that the expression? The tides have turned? Yeah. I think I, I think the barbecue guy right now is Jeff. I don't think the tides have turned that, that much. <laughs> but if you want to see pictures of that, go to our Facebook page, Baseball and BBQ, and you will see Jeff and his chicken at the pit barrel. As a matter of fact, Jeff, tell us all the ways that we, you can contact us. Right. Well, give us a call. Our phone number is 516-855-8214. Leave a message. We also have a uh, email, baseball and BBQ at gmail.com. And we have a uh, website. Website. Go ahead. Baseball and BBQ.weebly.com, where we put all our shows and pictures and stuff. Uh, leave a comment on our Facebook page, as, as Len has mentioned. And please get in contact with us. Anything you want us to talk about? You have questions, recipes you want us to talk about? Baseball questions, we, we're fielding everything here. Baseball, any baseball and barbecue related. I got a challenge. I got a challenge for our listeners, okay? We have very loyal listeners, very faithful. We, we know that you guys listen to all of our episodes and we appreciate it. You got to tell at least one person. Each of you, tell at least one person. We're, we're, this is a groundswell movement. We're looking for more listeners and we just want, if each of you just tell one person and get them to listen, we will be in really great shape. And you know, another way to spread the word is if, if you please leave a rating and a review on iTunes. Yes. That, that would really help us out. That would help. It takes two minutes. Just rate, you know, give us five stars. And uh, Of course. Yeah, I think they only can give you five stars. <laughs> Don't give us anything low, low, five stars. I'm only kidding. Give us what you, what you think is fair, and you know, please uh, give us a review. All right. Now, Jeff, this is actually from – this is a, a few years old, all right? This is from 2016, but some questions for you. Uh-huh. Okay. Questions? Are you quizzing me? Yeah, I'm giving you a little quiz. Oh, boy. All right. Oh, boy. Higher or lower than 65%, okay? Higher or lower, the percent of Americans who own an outdoor grill or smoker, is it higher than 65% or lower? I'm going to say, mm, that's a tough one. I think in in, in rural series, cities, areas, you have more, 
But in cities with apartment buildings, you have. I'm going to go lower. All right. Well, in that case, you would be wrong. Oh. It's actually 75% of Americans own an outdoor grill or smoker. Wow. Yeah. How many, how many use them? Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's it. And if they don't use them, I wish they'd send them my way. Oh, okay? uh, yes. Right. Because uh, I definitely am uh, a collector of grills and smokers. Let me just tell you one thing. I got, I got a little story here. Uh, I, I went to my friend's cabana uh, on Nickerson Beach on Long Island, and they actually have an area where people, you have to store your barbecue. They, they, they can't bring it to their cabana, but there's an area. And there were hundreds of, of barbecues there, all different types. They leave them there for the summer, do their cooking. I guess they bring it home after the summer's over. But that was, uh, it, it was quite a sight seeing all those uh, barbecues in one area. And they're all in the one area? Yeah. They, yeah. What do they, do they chain them up? I or think they chain they just, them up, yeah. Wow. Okay, now, here we go. The number one grilling holiday... Do you know the number one grilling holiday? Do you want me to do multiple choice? No, I know. I know this. I got it. All right. Fourth of July. Bingo, you got it. All right. That's right. According to this uh, statistic, 87% grill on the 4th of July. All right. Other popular days are Memorial Day, Father's Day, and Labor Labor Day. Day. Right. Now, well, you, you would be for you would be Christmas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right. Now, in 2016, all right. Tell me, is it higher or lower than this? Sixty million Americans who have grilled out in the past year. Now that was in 2016, according to the U.S. Census. I don't know what is that on the census. <laughs> <laughs> Good question. I mean, you think the government has other diff- other right. problems? <laughs> but it says, according to the U.S. Census, okay, all right, 60 million. Is it higher or lower? Uh, I feel like this should be the price is right with people in the audience. Say, higher, higher, lower, lower. Uh, I'm going to go higher. And you would be right. All right. 79.1 million Americans grilled out in that past in that year, okay? And I would think it would be more in the subsequent years. Yeah. Now, here's one. Is it higher or lower than, I won't ask you to guess this number because you'll never guess, but 4%, okay, the percentage who grill more than once a week, percentage of Americans who grill more than once a week, 4%, is it higher or lower? More than once a week, lower. It is higher. Really? According to this, 55 is the percentage of Americans who grill more than once a week. Well, you know, that's a little unfair because you, yourself, you skew that number way up. <laughs> right, yes. Okay, here we go. Let's see. I'm not going to... I'm going to... Uh, we'll skip a couple. Okay. All right. And we'll skip this one. All right. Folks, I'm getting grilled here. Grilled. Get a, get a grilled. All right. Now, okay. How about this one? This is the percentage of grillers who cook hamburgers the most often. So, people cook chicken and hot dogs and whatever, but hamburgers. This is the percentage of grillers who cook hamburgers most often. I'm going to give you the number and you tell me, is it higher or lower than 50%? Higher. higher. Yes, 63%. Actually, I thought it would be much higher than that, actually. Yeah, so 63% of grillers, they cook hamburgers the most often. 
Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Um, it's easy. It says, it's the most popular food on a list that also includes chicken, hot dogs, and steak. Okay. All right. Yep. Now, here's something that we did talk about on other shows. And this is, you know what, this is important. So, it's worth mentioning again. And I'm not even going to grill you on this one. Nah, grill you. All right. About 130 medical emergencies each year from accidentally swallowing a bristle from a wire grill brush. Ooh, ouch. Okay. Remember, guys, when you have those grill brushes, like the plastic ones, so you buy those grill brushes and they have the, you know, the wire, the the, the wire bristles for cleaning the grill, but they're in that, that hard plastic. When you're, uh, when you're cleaning your grates, a lot of times if the grates are hot, that plastic starts to melt, or it can even just, those, those bristles don't stay in there forever. And then they come out, they stick to the grill because you don't get the grill completely clean. And then when you grill food again, they get stuck. So really, you got to be careful. Okay? All right. That's it for stats. All right. All right? And now... Did you... Uh... You want, yes. to hear from, you want to hear from Shane, uh, Shane Draper? Yes, I definitely do. All right. Shane Draper of Gorilla Grills was gracious enough on his way to his kids' baseball game to come on with us and tell us about a new product that Gorilla Grills has called the Chimp. And it's a pellet grill. He'll tell you all about it. I think you're going to love it. And make sure you go to GorillaGrills.com, see all their great products, They've got sauces. They've got rubs. They've got fantastic grills. If you're in the if you're in the market for a pellet grill, they have the best out there. So check it out, right, Jeff? Right. Shane. Yes, sir. Hey, it's Leonard and Jeff. How are you? Hi, Shane. Yeah. How are you? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I I did not win the chimp. Yeah, <laughs> you, you and about thirty thousand other people. Yeah. Well. I'm not concerned about 30,000 other people. <laughs> uh, I, you know, all right. I, I think I know why. I think because, you know, now now as a as an unofficial sponsor of Grilla Grills, I have a feeling I'm not eligible anymore. <laughs> oh, you're always eligible. I mean, you know, we, we, we took you up. <laughs> all right. How have you been? I'm good. No, uh, busy, but good. Yeah, well, I say... Your episode is one of our most listened to episodes, by the way. Very cool. That's yeah. good to know. Yeah. So you must have a big following. Uh, I don't know about a big following. <laughs> well, Everybody is somebody's demographic, right? Right. Exactly. He had one of he has one of the most listened to episodes uh, in baseball and BBQ history. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, you guys, you could still check it out. Listen to it. It's it's still available, so uh, go ahead and listen. Shane, you're on your way to a baseball game, right? Yeah, my uh, my eight year old has a doubleheader today, so we're 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 all about baseball and barbecue in this house. Excellent, <laughs> excellent, perfect. You are our demographic. All right, so Shane, That's what we right. wanted we we wanted to just have you on because um, I I see that you guys have some new products out there, and um, we wanted to talk about it. And uh, so tell us, just tell us about what's new at Gorilla Grills. Well, we're really proud of the, the launch of our tailgate model, uh, the Chimp. 
Um, we feel like it is uh, the really the, the, the best tailgating pellet grill on the market. We did uh, a lot of market research, a lot of testing, um, a lot of prototyping to get this one right. You know, it, it really solves all the issues that or complaints that we heard about other companies' uh, tailgate models. And Mark and I just worked really hard on it, the whole team, uh, Mark's design and, and the team testing and, you know, me coming back with input on the cooking side. We feel like it's just a, it's a great grill that's uh, built for, uh, for baseball and barbecue, right? I mean, you yeah. can take it out to a game, you can uh, cook. You know, 13, 14 burgers on the thing at a, on the back of your tailgate. Uh, you can smoke a couple pork butts. You can, you know, it, it, it does it all. We're, but uh, whether you're doing it on a tailgate or you want to stand it up, it's it's really a fantastic grill that even though it's a tailgater, we really overbuilt it and, and really put that pro kind of feel into it. So, so Shane, you said it's for portability. You can take it anywhere. How, how, how heavy is it? Um, so it is actually one of the heavier tailgaters on the market, but it's also one of the bigger ones. Um, one of the complaints we heard is that some of the other competitors couldn't quit, couldn't fit enough food, or the hopper that holds the pellets wasn't quite big enough. So we went a little big on it. Um, so it's it's weighing in just over ninety pounds. It does have you know uh, wheels on it, so it can be rolled around. Right. But it's a uh, it's kind of a two person lift. You know, one one big guy can certainly do it, get it on the tailgate, but. You know, we decided to go for max usability once it's been, you know, set up over just having a small grill that you can't fit much on. But, you know, the reality is, is no one's cooking for just four people on a tailgate anymore. Right. Uh, You have a whole party. It's a whole party. Yeah, it's a big party, right? Right. So we built something that you can absolutely run a party out of right. and not have to worry about. That was the whole point. You know, it's it's portable, but it's sturdy. Right. For the folks that are familiar with our Silverback model, we took everything that's in the Silverback and put it in this tailgater as far as the double wall construction, the insulation, everything, the upper rack. I mean, we just mini-sized our our biggest seller, the Silverback, and made it portable. That, that That's really the key. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And it actually, if somebody doesn't have a big yard, you know, they don't have a big deck or, you know, they, they're, they're short on space, it doesn't have to be for tailgating. It's perfect for a... a... No, it, you know, the funny thing we're finding, you know, it's been out for just over a month. It's really making people have to think twice about, do they need a bigger grill? Yeah. And we have a lot of people ordering this as their primary because it's just big enough. For a family of four, you know, to cook on every day, or if you want to put it, you know, it, it'll fit a whole pack of brisket, a 20-pound brisket, brisket to fit on this thing. Right. You can feed, you know, like like 30 people out of that brisket, you right. know? Best of both worlds. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, you, you that know, was the whole point of it. I've, I've been seeing things, that, you know, the pellet grills out there, I, we're hearing great things, you know, all these websites and the facebook pages and everything and everybody's saying great things about your grills and this this blows away like a traeger that's that size it looks like something that like i said a a family would have in their backyard and i think it looks great it really does yeah we're like i said we're, we're really proud of it there is a lot of year we really wanted to release this this time last year right 
and we stopped uh, because the legs underneath it just didn't feel quite right. Right. Uh, one of the common complaints of the tailgater is when it's standing up, it's very wobbly. And Mark redesigned the entire leg geometry. So now when the legs fold out, they fold out not just underneath, but at a slight offset angle. So it has a wider stance. We went with heavier legs that lock into place uh, to address all that issue. I mean, you want to be cooking on something that's 500 degrees, and you're worried it's going to tip over, right? Right. So we, we just wanted to address every single issue we could. Now, you just spoke about uh, 500 degrees. I, I see on your on the description on the website you have uh, safety shutdowns, both for high temperature and low temperature. Could you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, so on all pellet grills, um, you know, they kind of have a max, and if you go over them too far above the max, and believe me, it's set well above 500 it is shut down because it's afraid it's on fire. It's afraid, you know, it's to prevent a massive grease fire. You know, buy those cheap burgers from the big box store. I think some of them are made out of jet fuel. They have much fat out. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they can catch fire. So there is an upper limit safety feature. Uh, there's also a lower limit. Like the grill didn't start properly and it didn't reach at least 110 degrees inside of 10 minutes. It just goes into a safety shutdown, uh, you know. So you can then check to see what's going on. So, you know, no one wants something that's going to start, you know, unexpectedly and then, you know, or cause a problem on your back deck, right? No, no one wants a big fire on the deck. And we've seen those uh, those horror stories on, on the local news, you know, someone's, you know, grill caught their deck on fire. Mm-hmm. We, we do everything we can to avoid that, obviously. The uh, one one last thing for me on this when you go, when you tailgate with this uh, power supply, can you run this? What, what are you running this off of? Like, if your car's there, you, how are you powering this? So the really cool thing is, is a lot of the new trucks have inverters built in them. Like, the, my, my new truck has literally two outlets, three-prong outlets in the truck. Okay. So as long as you have a power supply that during startup can supply at least 200 watts of power... Uh, that'll get it through startup. But once it's through startup, I mean, it draws as much as a, as about a, a, a 60 watt light bulb. Uh, so it takes almost no power once you're through startup. So it, it's very fuel, you know, energy efficient that way. Um, and it doesn't take much of an inverter at all to run these things. I've tested them on uh, little computer battery backups. You know, right. like a 450 watt backup, mm-hmm. and it's plenty enough to get it through startup and uh, and get it running. I, I use it. Well, the, the cool thing about this is that our competition team, Cubone slash Gorilla Grills, Ben and I have been using these on the competition trail and turning in actual competition entries off these chips just as a test for the past two months, and we've gotten a call every single contest. And made money at the contest off these little tailgaters, and it, we think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Looking at the pictures, it's uh, fits perfectly into a minivan, and uh, you know, fits a lot of food. So yeah, yeah. it's a looks like it's a great product. Shane, what else? Uh, you know, go, sorry, go ahead. Well, I think you're going to hit on that. So one of the other things we're really proud of is the uh, the new Alpha Smoke controller. And it's the first dual controller, dual mode controller on the market. Um, there was a argument for a long time between what we call regular controllers, which basically use timing versus temperature to in their algorithm to figure out 
you know, how many pellets they need to drop to stay at a certain temperature. And then there is a controller type called PID um, that is a little more, much more precise, uh, but it doesn't, in our opinion, make as much smoke or have as much flavor. Um, and we really banked on the whole idea that, you know, you want as much flavor as possible. That's why we didn't go PID out of the box, but we kind of got tired of the argument, you know, which is better. You know, it's kind of like Ford or Chevy, right? Manual or automatic, Mm -hmm. uh, on the transmission. And we just decided to make it no longer a conversation and just put both in one controller. And if you like one over the other, use it. If you want to switch in the middle of your cook, hit one button switch the modes and it's really neat that way oh very cool and everybody if you want to check this out go to gorillagrills.com uh has all the pictures you can actually sign up for a newsletter and you'll get a was a weekly newsletter shane um it's not quite weekly they're they're gonna get some at least once a month but really every time we have something to announce a contest or whatever sometimes it's you know a couple three times a month we listen one of the real key pieces of gorilla grills is we really try not to overly market at people. And, you know, you're not going to see a bunch of pop-up ads from us. You're not going to see a bunch of Facebook ads. It's not who we are. Frankly, we get sick of that kind of marketing. So we're not going to fill your inbox full of a bunch of junk. <laughs> so right. if you sign up for the newsletter, you're going to hear from us when we have something to say. Right. But we're not going to fill your inbox full of a bunch of stuff that you don't care about. Fantastic. Yep. Shane, thank, thank you. you. I mean, it's amazing. I'm I uh, I'm just looking at all the pictures, and I'm getting hungry right now. Hey, so, so I got to get some feedback, boys. How about those sauces on some of these uh, oh. hot links? Oh stuff? yeah. What have you tried? Wait, I, uh, I I use the sauce on uh, on ribs. Fantastic. And I use uh, the uh, rub rubs on chicken, that which is just terrific. But we oh, haven't we I, haven't I've been to, to the, a ball game yet. Yes, we haven't been to a ball game yet. So we haven't done the uh, we haven't done the the, the mustard the sauce. mustard one on uh, on hot dogs yet. But we will. I, I still want this thing. What, what's your what's your closest stadium for for you guys? Uh, I guess it's City Field. Right. Uh, but there's right. also a minor league field nearby as well. <laughs> so we we gotta sneak a bottle of the Golden Bowl. Into yes. one of the stadiums and have it on a hot dog in the stands. Man, come on, we got to do it. We're gonna do it, and we're gonna post the pictures. We, you, <laughs> he's got, he's got a memory like an elephant. <laughs> okay, we're, we are definitely gonna do it, and uh, and and I've been wearing the hat with pride. Me too. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we awesome. get a lot of, I get a lot of compliments on the, uh, the the black hat with the with the gorilla on it. It's yeah, people like look and they're like, oh, you know, what is it? So. We're getting a lot of uh, a lot of attention with that, so thank you. Oh, my pleasure, guys. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Shane, enjoy the baseball yeah. game. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm excited. It's a uh, it's always fun and also the most emotionally stressful thing ever because I'm I'm one of the assistant coaches and you're all, like you don't know what to like high five the kids or yell at them half the time. It's crazy. Like go after <laughs> the ball. What are you doing? But I would much rather be on the field than coaching because I, I'm like it's like. <laughs> Right. I get so into it. I, I love watching my kids play. Oh, uh, what age? What ages are we talking about? Uh, eight, eight, yeah. eight. You is where we're at. It's it's still pitching machine. They right. haven't moved up to coach or to you know live pitch yet. So they're they're still learning a lot, but they're having a lot of fun. It, you know, it reminds me of what baseball should be in many ways. It's just kids on a field. Mm-hmm. 
you know the, you, the that song boys of summer right it's it's mm-hmm. it just that's what it's all about it just reminds me of being a being a kid out there on the field man it's 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 great memories right well enjoy yeah, the game have, have fun. and thank you very much for uh the time today we'll talk to you soon uh, anytime guys all right, all right. bye, bye. All right, Len, uh, we're going to do a little switcheroo. It's time for a barbecue rant. Wow, you did that You did that quite well. Yeah, you know what, Jeff? I, I, we had a request from one, of our, from one of our loyal listeners, Larry, who said, you know, guys, you never do a barbecue rant. I really want to hear one. And usually I don't really have anything to rant about, but I'm, gonna, I'm going to rant. And, and it's, it's barbecue in general. A lot of people just take the meat out of the refrigerator or, you know, they, they take it out of the freezer and they slap it on the grill and that's barbecue. No. No, 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 no. If you are listening to this show, you know darn well that that's not barbecue. Yeah, you can take a burger out of the fridge and put it on the grill. But if you really want to do it right, you got to plan ahead. You've got to prepare in advance. Barbecue, like any other cooking, requires advanced planning. You got to get your ingredients. You got to marinate your food. Okay, whether it's making, let's let's forget smoking for a second on a smoker. Let's just do your regular grill. Okay, if you're making chicken, don't just take the chicken out of the fridge and stick it on the grill. Follow a recipe. Make sure you do things in advance. If the chicken needs to marinate overnight, do that. Barbecuing is like any other cooking. You need to do advanced planning if you want to do it right. Don't just be the person that makes hamburgers and hot dogs on the grill. Do they have their place? Yes, they have their place. But come on, be adventurous. That's one, okay? Is that rant? That's a rant, yeah. It's not, no, okay, it's not. You're not it's angry not, right? No, it's not, it's not the caliber of, of your baseball rant. But here's my rant. Here's here's more of a rant, okay? Guys, let's not get sick this summer from barbecue. Let's prepare well. When you're making your food, if you're using tongs to take the raw meat on if you're putting if you're using tongs or a spatula to put the raw meat on the grill and you don't have another set, you should you really should have two sets but if you don't wash it off okay you don't want people to get sick germs will get on raw meat you will you can't use the same tongs you can use the same tongs but clean them off i've got an idea here here i was thinking about this most of us do not have sinks on our grills right right and sometimes going back in the house and cleaning off the spatula or the tongs right. is a pain, right? Because right. first of all, now who's watching the meat while it's cooking? Right. So it's on the grill. You're in the house. Maybe it flares up. How about this, guys? You know those plastic um, uh, storage bins? You know, those little yeah. plastic storage bins? Get a couple of those. Fill both with water. One, put some water with some soap. And the other one, just plain water. Take the tongs, put them in the soapy water, get a little sponge, sponge it off right there, right next to your grill, uh-huh. and then put it in the other one, the, the one without the soap, and rinse it off. 
that at least will be better than if you use the same tongs and you can't run into the house and clean them. What do you think of that? Excellent. Right? Okay. So I suggest that. Now, here's my other... Here's my other rant when you guys are cooking. Stop cutting open the the meat. Oh, okay? Uh, this, this is getting him angry. Okay. Stop. If you're making steak, don't take a knife and cut it open to see if it's to see if it's done. That's wrong. Okay, you're letting out precious juices. Don't do it. Guys, there's a simple solution whether it's with burgers or chicken every or any other meat okay and i'm not talking about vegetables here okay because vegetables don't need to be cooked to a certain temperature but meat does for safety standards like chicken chicken should be 165 degrees okay now when you cut into it that doesn't tell you if it's done and also if you um, th- this whole method where people feel, you know, they're, they, they, they feel the meat to see if it presses down or whatever. No, 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 no. Guys, get yourself a digital thermometer. There's a company called uh, Thermoworks. Jeff, can you, can you quickly bring it up? I, w- I want to tell you guys about this company. They are not a sponsor. Eventually, uh, we hope to get them on the show. Okay? It's Thermoworks. And I'm only bringing them up because they make digital thermometers. Some of them are more expensive, okay? But they make one called the Thermopop. You want to just look up the Thermopop? Mm-hmm. They have some. They have a Thermapen that's 99 Sometimes it's on sale. They have open box items. I'm not telling you. Here, they have a Thermopop. Now, right now... The Thermopop is being sold for $34. I've seen them go as low as $25. It's a digital thermometer. I'm not telling you guys how to spend your money, but it is a worthwhile investment. If you're ever barbecuing and you wonder, is it done? You put this in. It tells you the temperature. That's how you cook. Cook to temperature, guys. That's the way to do it. Don't cut into the food, okay? Do it to temperature. Get yourself a digital thermometer, please. Ooh, and look at all the pretty colors. Yeah, they come in different colors. And these can be used indoors as well. You know, if you're cooking food in the oven, you can use these as well. You don't Obviously, you don't keep these in. You put them in, you, you, you know, you open the grill up, you put them in, okay? Please, if, if you get anything out of this, make sure you cook to temperature, Oh, and right. That is my rant. Oh, boy. That's some rant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that, Len, I yes. think we got to end the show now. I wish we didn't have to, I but know. we do. All right. Episode number 33 in the can. In the, oh, in the corner can. Hope we don't get into a pickle.
And don't forget to call the show, 516-855-8214. Email us at baseballandbbq at gmail.com. And check out our website, baseballandbbq.weebly.com. And thank you to Shane Draper and GrillaGrills.com.